my hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Oh my God! We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show? Hello and welcome to a dork addendum, you guys. My name is Jackie Cation. Patrick Brady had nothing to do with this audio. It's not his fault. It's a very special dork addendum. I'm gonna put some stuff on the back end of it. Uh, some, you know, I'll do, I'll do whatever I normally do with dork addendum. But it's a dork addendum with a guest. And that guest is a f- longtime friend of the show, longtime friend of all of Rangers of the Dork Forest as well, Chris Mancini. Uh, Hey, it's a dork addendum. Oh, it's great. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for uh, squeezing me in into the... I know the dork agenda is very full. <laughs> the dork agenda is actually sadly <laughs> yes. being organized yeah. <laughs> an hour and a half increments at the, this time. The dork whiteboard is always full. <laughs> the, oh, my God. I never want a whiteboard. That sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> somebody somebody asked me yesterday, or, or they were almost about to ask me about the monetization of podcasting. Mm-hmm. And I said, I will bury you in the sand head first and paint your feet with honey. And then set ants upon you. But uh, Chris Mancini, the reason we're having you is because you have a, a graphic novel that you're doing on Kickstarter. Yes. And I want the Rangers to know now. Now. That now, would be great. Because there's only like 15 or 20 days left or something, That's right? about It's about uh, 16 or, or so days. Uh, it ends May 2nd. So time is of the essence. Time is of the essence yes. with Kickstarter. And you guys, you'll get a, you'll get, for the very least, you'll get a, um, a graphic novel out of it. Yes. So you got to love haste. that. Make haste. Make haste to Kickstarter for long ago and far away. The and is an ampersand. Yes, but you can type in and. It'll, and it'll, it'll work, work out. Yeah, because yeah, Kickstarter's <laughs> not an idiot. Right. <laughs> so long ago and far away is the name of the graphic novel. And it's at Chris J. Mancini is your Twitter handle, yes. which is where a lot of the Kickstarter updates are going to be. Mm-hmm. And then comedy fil- you're from Comedy Film Nerds. Yes. Comedy, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the Hydra... Yes. Com- <laughs> the Hail Hydra of, uh, of, of Comedy Film Nerds. Mm-hmm. So... Um, your dorkdom. I want to talk. I mean, the thing is, because we're we're doing this especially to plug the the Kickstarter yes. and and the graphic novel, but this comes from a long. You have a long history of first of all making things. Yes, and uh, consuming and wanting things, to make things, and wanting to consuming <laughs> and things, consuming and making things, yes. things uh-huh. wanting to make things, mm-hmm. and then trying to figure out ways to pay for them and have them be things yes that others might want (laughs) indeed and uh none of it's been easy none of it none of it you were a filmmaker and still are a filmmaker Mm -hmm. and try to try to get someone to pay you to do that (laughs) and then when that happens then they ruin it (laughs) right and then they knife it in its sleep in there didn't you make a horror film that that you sold them the script and then they hired a different director in theory yes that's exactly what happened i uh i sold a uh, script asylum to after dark film Films and uh, I pitched it, directed. I, I brought storyboards and proposals and right. uh, tone. And I had, you know, it was a SWAT team investigates demonic possession in an insane asylum. Okay, classic B horror. That's premise. it, right? There should um, be. There's no, no that that shouldn't be hard to make. No, <laughs> you, you would think. Um, so then um, they they said no, and then it they shot it in. Bulgaria. They threw away the script. They um, oh my god! And the the producer that they put in charge of it went to Bulgaria, threw away the script, went rogue, shot his own movie, and then um, they <laughs> named it Asylum. They still called it Asylum, <laughs> and then they was um, there an asylum? They it's uh, yes, that was the only thing that there was. Saved, <laughs> that not one page of my script got used. Not one. Not one page. The only thing they kept was the title. 
and the names of the characters. So all these bald Bulgarian guys with thick accents were named Tanner and Wilder and all these American SWAT team names. <laughs> I love that there's so, American SWAT team names yes. in your head. Like, <laughs> there really that, are. That's what SWAT team guys would be called. Yeah, they T- totally Tanner. would be. These are cop names. <laughs> these are uh, cop names. You know, Wilder and Tanner. Yeah, Send those yeah. two guys. Those yeah. two guys are going to, they'll nail it. It's like Time Crisis 4. Yeah. <laughs> so they ruin it. Um, they, they call me. <laughs> then they said um, the, uh, and they tell me the story, and they said it came out so bad we have nothing to deliver to Lionsgate because that was their output deal. Oh. and they said, "Can you fix it for us?" And I said, "How am I going to fix this for you guys?" <laughs> and they said, "Well, it came out so bad, we want you to make it a comedy." So, oh wow, uh, sort right. of bookend it. Yes. So, uh, so wait, so they bought the script. They had bought the script. Yeah. So yeah. they're they're they at paid least me. there was a check. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is that is what happened. Then they uh, they ruined it. Then they wanted me to fix it for no money, and then I said, "Well, I'm not going to fix it for no money. This isn't my problem." Right. I tried to explain. Right. Yeah, like my rep had to say to them at one point, "You're not doing him the favor." Uh, uh, so they uh, worked they it out. They came up with more money. No, they oh. uh, they didn't come up with more money. But we got I got the rights to my original script back, so I could actually oh. make an actual horror movie with okay. the same title. Oh, that's kind of so. So I, I fixed it, and they actually agreed to this, where I said the only way I could fix this mess is if I um, shoot behind the scenes at a horror company and show how they ruin a movie from start to finish. Oh. So it was all these behind the scenes, like the office type things, but in a horror movie yeah. company. Yeah, yeah. And then all the footage of the movie with um, voiceover with like Mike Schmidt and another editor. So okay. I hired like you know a bunch of people. We went down to... Um, Baton Rouge. They wouldn't shoot it in L.A. I had to go to Baton Rouge. Oh, and, my God. Uh, so I got Dean Hagland to do it. Right. And then... Um, you bo- needed people with frequent flyer miles yes. if you wanted anyone yeah. from oh, here, Oh, it was right? worse than that. I had to give up my rental car so they would pay for Dean's hotel room. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> so we shoot it. And then I was like, you know what? Um, I shot it. I did all the voiceover. I said, this is... I, we. You know, I did the best I could with a, a bad situation. Right. And so right now there is a movie that exists that shouldn't, <laughs> uh, that um, I'm in, Mike Schmidt is in, uh, a couple other actors, Dean Haglin and um, Stephen Rhea from The Crying Game and a bunch of bald Bulgarians are all okay. in a movie together that <laughs> shouldn't exist. And then I thought, okay, well, this kind of could kind of be like a cult classic, like yeah. a mystery science theater kind of thing. Oh, no. No? After I d- delivered the director's cut. I uh, don't hear anything for a while, and then they call me and say, uh, no, actually, they don't call me at all. They cut off contact with me. Mm. I find out from the fans that this movie gets released, and they never rebranded it. So it was supposed to be called Death of a Horror Movie, so people knew it was a comedy. They just continued to call it Asylum, marketed it as a horror movie, and infuriated the horror movie fans who got tricked into watching it and buying it. Oh, my God. So I don't know what conversation happened in some moron's office like you know the best way to make movie on this is to trick and fool people into watching it right and then maybe they'll be like what the hell was this because i just watched tank girl from Mm -hmm. 1995 yeah and um it was dumb it was not great it was Mm. but it was but it was fantastic in some ways and this is what i said this is what i recommended because andy mm-hmm. had never seen it he wanted and we had read the comics right and he was like yeah i'm gonna watch this so i said at the end of this i liked it he said yeah you were playing bejeweled the entire time and I said, so what i would recommend is a second screen 
well, what, any kind of second screen while you're watching it, Tank Girl. Exactly. And, and this is this is the kind of movie, too, where it's like, I always say that, like, yeah, well, we um, made lemonade twice, but they made lemons three times. <laughs> oh, my God. So you could so, actually see it. It's on demand, and you could actually see the train wreck. Asylum. Uh, asylum, yeah. Sure. It's, uh, a- and it, it's funny. It's, like, got all these bad reviews by... Uh, all the horror fans that have gotten tricked into seeing yeah. it, but then it's got good reviews from our fans who have oh, seen no. it and who know the story, and they're like, "Look, you got to know the story behind oh, this before God. you watch it." Then it's hilarious, right? Is there a way to somehow put that in the in the notes of the on demand? <laughs> I wish there was. Right? It's, Is it's there all, just so it, way? Basically, it's up been up to the fans. <laughs> They've been right. putting it in the the uh, the reviews, which has been great. But uh, right. So, okay, so th- that's, but that's not the only, the only movie you've written and the no, only movie I, that's I've gotten written, produced. I, and I've written many movies, a lot of them um, either in development or I've worked on punch up and stuff and had them bought, but it's, uh, that's the, uh, that's the good that's, story. That's, yeah, yeah, that's the good story. <laughs> and then, you know, I've worked on TV shows. I've actually worked on soaps. I've worked okay. on Port Charles, oh. the uh, spinoff of General Hospital. That's right. Worked on I that for a while. But it all kind of came down to like when I was eight and I got my first Spider-Man comic. That's kind of where it all opened up. And let's see if you can remember, because uh, I can't remember the other villain. I remember the cover very uh, vividly. It was Spider-Man. He was fighting Rocket Racer. Okay. I am unfamiliar with this. And, uh, and clearly and, Spider-Man. And there villain. was another villain that was chasing both of them. He was in a giant wheel. Oh, like a hamster? No, well, it was kind of like well, he was like in the middle of like a some kind of Ferris wheel with guns on it, and oh, he was weird. chasing both of them. So I don't remember <laughs> the name of that villain. Okay. But uh, it feel was free to maybe tweet the, maybe at Chris and tell him it might have been something. <laughs> it might have been something like the Big Wheel or <laughs> something <laughs> like that. And after that, I was always been hooked on comics. And uh, so ever that since. one that with those two weird like yeah. D grade. Yep. Didn't matter, an eight-year-old boy, I'm in. You're I'm in. in. And I've been that, and I was hooked ever since. On comics, and, and so you love comics, and you, did you think, well, I could have written this when you were eight? No. No, I okay. just, I was thoroughly <laughs> enjoying consuming. I, I didn't start writing until I was 16. Okay. And then I, that's when I turned it around. I was like, you know what, I really want to do this. And um, it was... The kind of thing where I didn't know what I wanted to write. I just know, like, do I want to write? Like, I would write, like, short stories, poetry, you know, try to work with everything. Every, all the things that a, a teenage writer would go through and right. try to write. And um, I'd say maybe 5 to 10% of it was readable. You okay. Know? You know, all because right. you always start and like, oh, I, I can't believe I was working on that. Right. Well, um, I mean, but you were 16. Yeah, so. exactly. Oh, my gosh. And, I, then, and then I got my yeah. first paid writing byline at 18. I started writing for a newspaper. Okay. And this is when it kind of collided for me. I was able to interview Chuck Dixon, the comic book writer. Okay. And uh, he just happened to live like in the suburbs where I was. and he Outside was of Philly or Outside something? of Philly, yeah, yep. in Westchester, Pennsylvania, in Chester County. And he told me great stories about how he wrote his first Savage Sword of Conan at a security desk. Oh, wow. And, uh, day job. Uh, yeah, 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 day job pretty much. And, uh, you, you know, he was so nice and so gracious. He would like send me scripts like, hey, here's what scripts look like. And, oh, that's you know, great. And it was it really that's the important stuff is you yeah. need to know format. Right, right. And, and it was the it was the kind of thing where the, here's a creator who was on the um, uh, he was actually at the beginning of his giant career. OK, because after you know I talked to him, he was always saying, like, you know, I really want Punisher. It was like there's certain books that he would really want. Yeah, because he was working on Moon Knight. Okay. And then, um, sure enough, he just exploded. He started writing everything, and then he got every book he wanted, he got Punisher, Batman, simply everything he oh, was really? working on. And uh, I always want to go back to Comic-Con and kind of 
you know, say hi and say, thank <laughs> and say you. thanks. Yeah, thirty yeah. years later, and I always feel like sometimes when I'm working on this graphic novel, when I put it up at the Kickstarter, like this is like. 30 years overdue. Like for who right. I was I was right. wanted to write this is one because of the things you wrote I wrote everything to write. around it, yes. you know. Uh-huh. You're just like you you did stand up for many years Yes, and mm-hmm. you'll still will if mm-hmm. anyone will hire you. Yeah. You're yes. on board. <laughs> it's uh, Chris Mancini. Yeah. Books it's, I've written, you know, I oh, pacify right. me and pacify uh, me about being a father. Gu- yep. Yeah. Comedy film nerd's guide to movies and uh, Oh, that's right. And so it's yeah. So it, it really feels you're like you're available. It's coming, I you're, am. You're available to write some stuff and <laughs> yeah. So the weird thing is, is so this is the first graphic novel. This, this is, is my first, first graphic comic. novel. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how it, now you were talking about storyboards with movie writing. Yes. Is it different to write storyboards for comic book writing? It definitely is. And here's one of the things that really, really helped. Uh, you get the right artist, like we found Fernando Pinto, through podcasting. Got a through referral podcasting. from another podcast. Oh, there you go. And here's the best thing. When I emailed him and he goes, no, I, I know who you are. I'm a fan of comedy film nerds. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, when you hear that, you realize that's, A, that's awesome, that you yeah. know, you're actually reaching out as far. But B, I don't have to explain any humor to you there's right. not going to be a, anything lost in the translation you're already a fan and you get it you listen to how i talk right so exactly. you hear my voice when you'll when you'll see these writing yeah. so i and i was, it was a little intimidating because i when i con- was trying to convert the script to panels and then i thought well no that's exactly what i do as a director you just make it a storyboard right so which is what i did but one of the things uh since i was still a bit of a noob Yep. In uh, in comic and graphic novels, the artist was like, this looks great, but here, let's try this. Maybe this should go here. Like, he would kind of, like, um, revise the panels and layouts, and what he would do was just amazing. And then uh, he's like... Oh, he all- was essentially, he would fix any sort of... Yeah. He was like, because I get what you want. Yes, exactly. And That's you, important. And you can't put 12 panels on one page. <laughs> <laughs> Things Unless like they that. are tiny and yes. they have no words <laughs> right. in them. <laughs> yeah, if it's just a head, 12. Right. 12. Um, it's like a bunch of different expressions, right. life and hell. Because yeah. <laughs> originally this was gonna, supposed to go on Mark Wade's uh, thrill bent. And, oh, right. Yeah, because I had met with him and he really liked it. So he was helping me find artists and put it all together. But ultimately it was like, you know, any other development thing, funding fell out. It didn't work out. So Right. Uh, but he's been really supportive. He's been tweeting it out. Um, got some great support from the comic community on it oh that's uh, great mark wade mark guggenheim mark allen miller all marks all the marks yeah i was trying to get mark millar but he didn't respond <laughs> how about uh, ed brubaker yeah <laughs> you know what I, I should try to tweet him actually yeah I, I i know him i can i can tweet at him oh that'd be great see if he see yeah because he should look at it yeah i haven't seen him in ages he he, he, t- he has some program he tells me that he puts on his computer to uh-huh. um turn off the internet so that he can write because he's clearly but he's a big comedy fan so He's uh, he's a good egg, and I love all of his works. Let's tweet him out. Let's tweet him out. See if he cares. <laughs> see if he gives it a shot. But it looks beautiful, quite honestly. And there's and you said on the um, on the Kickstarter, you get yes. the first twelve pages for free or something. Absolutely, I wanted to make sure people could actually see and read the book. So it's like it's ten make sure pages. That they like it. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's the first ten pages of the story, and then it's four bonus pages of like random pages from like later on in the story. So you get a sense of like where, where it's, it's going. going. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, um, and, and I, there's a video on there, there's more information, there's all sorts of stuff. And the, re- the rewards are really cool, because I wanted to make sure it's like, oh, you know, you don't want to just ask people for money. Right. You want it to be a pre-buy. Yeah. You like the book, pre-buy it. You get the book, for sure. Yes. And then, and then if you give more money, you get other stuff. All right? sorts of That's stuff. That's how like, Kickstarter works. Yeah, exactly. Like, Fernando will do custom... <laughs> <I knew>. custom. <laughs> so, Fernando will do, like, custom art prints for you. Like, if, you know, you want a Deadpool drawing, he'll do that. Like, those oh, are nice. the higher tiers. Oh, right. Yeah. Those are the... Um, 
Like you can do that at Comic Con yes, stuff where, exactly. you, where you stand in line and pay the artist to draw. Yep. I've always wanted a Punisher. You know. Exactly. And I he'll, get it. And he'll do that for you. The other thing he'll do for one of the tiers is he'll draw you in a a scene with the characters from the graphic novel. Okay. Like you pick heroes or villains. And oh, then like he'll, a... <laughs> yeah, and he'll, he'll draw you. Like you'll send him a photo and he'll draw you in. And you can get it as like a cell kind of thing. Like yeah. A, like a, and then you yeah. can frame it. Yes, exactly. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds super uh-huh. fun. Cool. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, what what kind of, now this is clearly, it's like, I've I've read about it, and I, yes. and, I and I know what it's about, but why don't you tell everybody what it is? Absolutely. Uh, Long Ago Far Away is about um, a Jason, the child knight, who went into like a Narnia-like world when he was a kid, when he was like 12 or 13. He saved the world, but you never find out what happens to those kids when they come back into our world. <laughs> now he's 30. He runs a comic book store poorly. He's a jerk. And right. then now what happens when um, the world, Elvenwood, needs his help once again? He has to go back in as an adult, but now he's a jaded, jerky, nerdy adult. So is he going to still be a hero or is he going to be uh, just make things worse? Right. So, and what it is, is... And doesn't it's he a, bring his and he brings or? And he brings his co-workers by accident. <laughs> so two other people from the comic book store come with him. And uh, so there's a lot of... Uh, Narnia jokes. There's a lot of jokes about fantasy and, and comic books. Yeah, comic books it's and insidery and fa- kind of a stuff. lot of insidery stuff. Like at one point, uh, there's like you got to be careful. It's stay away from that giant dwarf. And like giant dwarf, and then the guy that gets mad and he goes, sense. "You're just a guy with a beard, <laughs> you know, <laughs> giant dwarf." Yeah, you're a, an actual regular size. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so allow me to. Offend the little people. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Anyway. And, uh, but there's, I knew it was coming, so there's already a Zack Snyder joke in there that I put in four months ago. Who's Zack Snyder? <laughs> I don't even know. Batman versus Superman director. Oh, shit. Yes. The thing, here's the thing about comedy film nerds. I saw a write-up that said that you guys did uh, the spoiler episode of the Batman versus yes. Superman episode, uh-huh. and it was almost the definitive Batman. I Did, did you read that? Or, yes, that it was review really it? cool on it, uh, Huffington Post. On yeah. Huffington Post, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, God, I should listen to that. Yeah. Except for that I don't want to see. But I, I haven't seen a Superman movie since he had the kid. Since well, with the, the Lois Lane with the kid one. That's why a lot of people listen to the spoilers because they're like, I have no intention of ever seeing this movie. Right. Because yeah. uh, right, which and I would love to right. hear you guys just yeah. sort of rip it to shreds because yes. it's clearly something. Well, we did. But did you <laughs> right? But I, I do also love Blanka Patch on Twitter said this thing. He said, mm-hmm. "Wouldn't it be great if there were a Superman movie where Superman, where it was full of joy?" <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You have to go to the animated movies for that. Or right, you got to go back in time. Yeah, it's the, insane. Yeah, it's crazy, but, Bill. So, but one of the things um, that, as, as I was writing that too, yeah. is um, you know, I wanted it to be funny. I wanted it to be like a kind of like a fantasy comedy, nerdy type fan, like Narnia yeah. Hobbit thing. But as I was writing it, as you know, all writing becomes autobiographical immediately. So. Sadly. There was uh, some themes and stuff that crept in that I was happy to see, but it wasn't initially my intention. But as it started to grow and develop, (laughs) I was like, you know what? This is actually the heart of the story now. And the story is that as we're kids, we have this wonderful childhood sense of wonder. Everything is great. Everything is new and everything. We can do and accomplish anything we want. Mm -hmm. But then we become jaded adults. You know, we get get beaten down by (laughs) bills and everything and all this nonsense. And we forget and lose that childhood sense of wonder. Mm -hmm. So the story is also about how do we gain that back? 
how do we make that a part of our lives and gain that back once okay. we've actually lost it? So that yes. is like the the redemption part of the story and also Good. the uh, the arc of the story. So because I think that's important because ultimately as, as artists and yeah, I, even I, I, just as people who aren't artists, it's, if you still want to retain that. Yeah, if you're wandering through that leper, you remember that leper book? No. Uh, Thomas Covenant, maybe? Uh, whatever. It's one of the most depressing uh, fi- fantasy books ever. And he mm-hmm. has leprosy in real life. And then he uh, he goes into a coma or something. And now he's in he's a hero in another world. And he's a dick. And uh, you're like, I don't care. I don't care about this guy at all. Why are there seven books? Why right. are there seven books yeah. about this fuck job? And uh, <laughs> so I love that he, that he has some realization. Because, yes. you know, you can... You're, you know, life isn't easy, but right. you can choose to be happy about it and be mm-hmm. grateful for what you have and, and what right. you, and so, and I think going into Narnia alone was his initial mistake because you can't go as a child into a strange area. And then, and then when you're gone, you're like, well, those were all my friends and they're all gone now. Right. And so how do I rebuild a life mm-hmm. here in this weird world? So now that he's brought friends into his in, yes. into his old timey Narnia world, mm-hmm. I would definitely want to read that. That's more <laughs> interesting than anything. Cool. So there you go. I um, I like. So, did you read the Scott What's His Face How to Write a Comic Book? I did not. No. Okay, so mm-hmm. you just wrote it like a script, and then That's exactly what I did, and then, and then handed it to the <laughs> to the artist and said, do, "Do you know how this would work in a comic book?" And he went, "Yes, yes, I do." Uh, that's paraphrasing, but not really. That's almost exactly how it happened. <laughs> well, then, Fernando Pinto, you are the nicest man in the yes. world. <laughs> he is indeed. But he will also get paid from the Kickstarter, so it, it's uh, he, it'll all work out. Actually, the Kickstarter is to pay the artists and do the shipping and stuff. I'm okay. Not, yeah, I, I just want to get it made and get it to people. I'm right. Not, it's I'm not. A, oh, it's ch- not going to be some sort of Fortune 500 kind chances of Chances are I will still need to spend money to get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, right. this won't be a windfall for me, at least at first. <laughs> this is going to be the this. It's just the beginning. It's how everything goes, though, in, in yeah. art, where you're like, well, it's not free to do it. Uh, I guess I'll go do this other thing for money, and I'll do this thing because I want to do it, right. and I love it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so people should definitely check it out. And um, it's one of those passion projects too. You know how you have that one that never lets you go. Like yeah. it's like I've been working on it for years, and it's like. Um, you know, oh, it's in development here. Great. Oh, now it didn't go anywhere. Oh, mm-hmm. now it's here. No, now it didn't go anywhere. And then when Fernando started drawing it, I was like, oh my god, it's coming to life. It's I got like a chill. Happening. It was yeah. it was so cool. That is really mm-hmm. cool. It's um, uh, I know, like there's things I want to do that I don't ever do, but they're always in the back of my mind, and I'm always writing on scraps of paper just ideas about mm-hmm. comic books or ideas about novels or things that I don't that I or books that I want to write that I don't write yeah. <laughs> <laughs> things that. I don't do so you're like um like when I in Sandman like when I go to Dreams uh Palace you have all the books and songs that no one has ever written yeah only in their dreams oh there's there's a Jackie Cation section Neil Gaiman's side the saddest (laughs) (laughs) the saddest room in the world we're like well it didn't happen (laughs) keep plugging along so well let's tell people what you are reading and uh in in comics and watching yes in movies I am even wearing a Mike Mignola shirt right now oh this are you a, yeah, oh which one is that this is a like the, the kind of like his skull face drawing from like one of the hellboy stories it's, yeah that's what i was mm-hmm. gonna say because we read hellboy mm-hmm. do you read all of mike mcnola i i read i tried to but. i think i read most i think there's a few i've probably missed but i, I love the whole kind of 
Universe, I read. Witchfinder, I read. Baltimore, Witch I read. Witchfinder and Baltimore are currently his best two titles. And I, I wish more episode issues would come out. It takes forever to get those. And right. also, a digital comic, I like paying $1.99. Oh, are you doing that? Are you doing Because yes. Andy was like, he was talking, he said, I, I find myself being drawn to the digital comic world. And I'm like, well, it's your call. Uh, I certainly don't want more stacks of bullshit around this house. And that's really and, what, uh, what <laughs> it was even less the cost than that. Like, I have nowhere to put everything now. You know, we're, right. we're, in, a, we have, we're in a small home in the valley. Right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> we have a comparable life. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, except for that you have three other people. Yes. <laughs> and I have one other person. <laughs> so so there, there's, there's not enough room to keep yeah. putting in graphic novels and issues. And, and now, oh, they can all fit on the iPad. Perfect. Yes. BPRD and, I, and Abe Sapien yes. are both driving me crazy right now because they're not going anywhere. And I'm like, just wrap it up. I know that you don't want to end these characters, but yeah. I'm I'm done with them because I stopped buying them two months ago. Yeah, I was kind of sorry to see that like they were like my favorites. They and were then, my like, favorites. And BPRD, like, they slowly loosed, lost all the characters that made them cool. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know. What, what where, you, and, where, where am I going? And then, and, no, but he doesn't know where. Yeah. Wrap it up. and uh, But Baltimore in Witchfinder are both awesome. Love them. Love are you them. reading Rachel Rising by any chance by Terry Moore? No. It Tell me about it, Jackie. super scary. Mm-hmm. You would like it. And I can't read it before bed. <laughs> and, nice. uh, but it's about um, Delilah and, um, and the devil mm-hmm. and uh, witches. And they're all in a suburb. Who puts um, it out? I think it's um, it might be IDW and it might be oh, Boom. Okay. Uh, it's so a, just search on the title. Search on Rachel Rising. Yes. Uh, Terry Moore. <laughs> okay. More with an E. Rachel Rising. Rachel Rising. Okay. And the first arc is already in in graphic novel form. Ooh, I like. I like where yep. you're going with this. Yep. I like to buy them all at once. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the second arc is uh, I don't know where the hell it's going, but I didn't know where the first one was going. So, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it uh, anyway. You've sold me. All right. What else do you like? Um, you know, I start rereading some stuff now. Oh, really? I've actually been. Um, That's I, I love that. Especially you comics. Own them. Yes, <laughs> uh, I've been rereading. Um, uh, I went through some old Sandman's, although I got the new one, Overture. Yeah, I've been. I was. We're I, doing I, that. I reread that, and then I, uh, I'm going back through the Lucifer. Oh, oh. Mike Carey's Lucifer. So mm-hmm. I'm about. Uh, I've got four and five to go still. Are they? Uh, is that um, out on Netflix yet? The TV show? I don't think so because okay. it's still in like I think first it's coming, season. But right? you know, I have, judging by the trailers, I might stick with the comics. Right, right. Well, I think they they pulled a certain part out of the comics that was very funny. You know, when he's running the jazz, uh, when, and when also he owns the jazz just, bar. Just the fact that like the premise is like he's the devil, but he's helping the police with crimes. I'm like, what? What is this? Oh my god, I did not know uh, that it was Bones. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what? What is this? Just. Okay, well, you just have a whiteboard and at the network, and you just you know insert helping the police with crimes, no matter what it is, psychic, yes. devil, yes, yeah, I do see, think. yeah, that is the missing piece, yeah, little girl, yeah, yeah, detective helping the police solve crimes. So that is hilarious. And what uh, what are you watching the Expanse at all? On Sci-Fi Network? I am not, but I am still catching up. I'm a little behind. That's the one thing about having two children. Right. Here, I, yeah, yeah. I, I am behind on, first of all, I'm still trying to finish Dragon Age Inquisition on the what PlayStation. That? Uh, oh, that's that, a game. That's a game. Oh, but my that, God. That takes yeah. forever. But I'm also, I'm almost on Daredevil on Netflix. So the second season, I've got <laughs> a couple episodes left. Andy refuses to binge watch anything. So we haven't finished the first season of Daredevil. 
But when you say you don't binge watch, do you deliberately do once a week? No. And there's no schedule to it. That's that's how I can do that's how we could finish this madness. Except for that he is willing any any given night to watch one movie, but the damn television's never on. So the idea of turning it on, I I'm the one who balks at that. But well, once it's on, I'll watch all night and well, all day. Well maybe you should try to trick him into saying, No, Daredevil is on tonight at nine and then just play <laughs> it on Netflix and then just right. go, Why are you, you gotta wait till next week to see the next one? Or he should say, Daredevil is on at nine. <laughs> We're going to watch one episode of Daredevil until we're done watching this damn thing. Because I haven't, we haven't seen any Jessica Jones. Oh, it's so good. Well, and it's he has a and Bendis. And that's a book I haven't read, actually. Well, he won't read any Bendis except Powers. Uh, because, really? Uh, yeah, he doesn't. He was offended when Jessica Jones was created. Because oh. she was created and retconned into, into Silver Age. Mm-hmm. And he was like... No, why into Silver Age? Why is he? And I said, well, since it's all fiction, it can't possibly matter. <laughs> and he was like, I know, I get it. Yeah. And uh, so, but he doesn't. He has he has a couple of issues with with that don't come up in Powers. Bendis's mm-hmm. Powers. Um, what's Bendis's full name? Brian uh, Michael. Brian, Brian yes. Michael Bendis. There we go. Just <laughs> in case people are listening and would yeah. like to know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> But uh, he has something that he wrote himself. So, so you're you're playing a video game. Yes, you're trying to catch up on all of Daredevil. Yes. And then now that my daughter is actually old enough, she's able to watch some of these other shows that, like, like I won't have her. She's eleven, so okay. Daredevil is no, right? But the Flash is yes. Oh yeah. So we watch Supergirl. Yeah, and Supergirl. So we watch um, uh, we watch the Flash. We haven't started Supergirl yet, but we will. Supergirl. I've only seen two episodes. But it's great. We we saw the one with the flash in it. We saw the, uh, the oh the crossover. Yeah, the crossover, and then the um, the other one we like is DC's Legends of Tomorrow. So we've been watching oh, that I, a little bit. I saw. I think we watched the first three of those. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mind that. They're insane. They're yeah. insane. They're they're fun. And then uh, although I think Arrow is still too dark for her, and then uh, she has no interest in Agents of Shield, which I understand. Uh, so. I love Agents of Shield. I'm on board. Grant Ward is Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan <laughs> is Grant Ward, and uh, and we will find out so. that he is Cree <laughs> and an Inhuman and has lost his tiny lizard mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, so or tentacly mind in this case. Uh, yeah. So and then other than that, you got. Um, so there's movies, there's TV, there's comics, there's video games. Yes, <laughs> trying, about, trying to consume pros? all of it. Any pros you're reading? Any? You know what? I just finished um, Speaker for the Dead, which is the Ender's Game yeah. sequel. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm late to the party on the Ender's Game Yeah, stuff. did you read Ender's Shadow yet? Uh, no. So I've read Ender's Game and then Speaker for the Dead. So, okay. And I just finished. And they're great. You they're know, great. How could, how could I don't understand why anyone would say great. The one thing that they're not great. The one thing I will say that I take a little exception to is... Uh, if you've never read these stories before, mm-hmm. um, the uh, foreword that the author does kind of gives some spoilers. So I would recommend if you are going to read them for the first time, ignore the foreword by Don't the read author. read the foreword. Yeah, until read the, the actual end. story. Yeah, so it read should the really. Read after. It, what makes no sense because it's like, well, make that at the afterward then. Put yeah. it at the end because yeah. you're referencing things that I haven't read yet. Yeah, and so. Orson Scott Card lost his mind about 15 years ago, yeah. <laughs> which is so sad. But. Um, yeah, Ender's Shadow is actually, it's something, Ender's Shadow is Ender's Game from Bean's perspective. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's the same story, mm-hmm. but from the viewpoint of Bean. Okay. It's an amazing, it's it's actually almost, it's sort of like saying Empire Strikes Back is the best, mm-hmm. because you're like, well, it wouldn't exist without Star Wars. So Ender's Shadow is almost better than Ender's Game. Wow. And uh, Ender's Game blew my mind. Yeah. So it was great. But uh, now, I, does the story continue too? Like, I know there's a lot of sequels. or does Yeah. It- 
yeah, the hegemon, uh, there's a hegemon one that I started. And then he said something out loud into a microphone. And I was like, I don't want to read any more of your, of, of your works. And which, which is so sad because I wish he would keep it in inside your head voice, Orson, inside your head voice. You take your crazy homophobia and your racism and uh, shove it up Well, your you know, sometimes uh, people get old. Sometimes they, people get old they, and they, they just say They don't realize things. what they're saying. Yeah. I myself uh, have uh, I have lost my filter on the Jackie and Laurie show. Whenever, whenever um, Alan Moore says something, I just translate it uh, immediately to "Get off my lawn." <laughs> Doesn't matter what he I, says. <laughs> just you say, oh, he's telling the kids to get off his lawn. <laughs> right. I think uh, Stephen Fry said something stupid the other day, and you're like, "Oh, sir." Uh, I think you're in your late seventies, and uh, my dad said something crazy the other day. He, uh, my dad, always says something crazy, but he said something crazy that didn't make any sense because he is seventy nine, and mm-hmm. he was talking to me, and he said that he was uh, when he when he goes to a stoplight, he puts a car length in between him and the next car in case there's a carjacking, and then he can run out and get around the car. And I was like, first of all, you're seventy nine. There's no running. There's no running. Uh, you can't. You will not get out of the car uh, <laughs> until that man helps you out of the car. Yes. Or you could, you know, keep your doors locked. You, you could keep you keep your doors locked, or you could live in Milwaukee, which has an occasional carjacking. <laughs> and other than that, please don't live in the constant terror that there's going to be a carjacking, you weirdo. Yeah. And but it feels like a very old man thing to be yeah. afraid of. So you're not going to buy his novels now either. No, I'm not buying my father's. Oh, my God. He gave me a piece of poetry over a headshot that his neighbor had taken of him. Mm-hmm. And it was a dick joke. It was a limerick. <laughs> I was like, Dad. He said, well, you're not a kid anymore. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that's right. I'm an old married lady. He said, did you get it? Did you yeah. get it? I was like, yeah, 30 years of doing stand-up, Dad. Did it I'm- have the word Nantucket in it? <laughs> <laughs> it did not. It didn't even rhyme. I was like, Dad, you're killing me here. It's uh, it, it's actually... I I love that he's doing. I love that he's creating. <laughs> speaking of creating things, I love he paints. Yeah. He he he. Do you do any painting? That's I all do, that's left. No, I do no painting. No Mm-mm. painting. No painting and uh, no I'm not, sculpture. No and no nothing musical either. My, no music. My daughter is actually a great singer. That's right. She uh, she does theater. Yeah, she, she's in Greece this weekend. That's right. She's doing a, a great she's Sandy. Job. Yeah. Yeah. She's actually got the lead. <laughs> yeah, an eleven year old. It's a, it's great seeing a grade school do Greece. It's Look hilarious. At me, I'm Sandra. D- who plays Rizzo? Somebody who's uh, hopefully sixteen. Because yeah. that was the casting on that yeah, show. It's it's great in the way they um they change the 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 dialogue and stuff. It's oh, like, did they? Have you ever tried soda before? You know, oh, <laughs> like, that's, yeah, it's it's great. It's like replacing the walkie talkies in ET. Yeah, it's uh, but this is much cuter. Okay, good because they are eleven. <laughs> yes, even though I think I saw it when I was nine. Yeah, and I didn't get all the crazy blowjob no. jokes, yeah. but uh, later. Mm-hmm. Nobody. The thing is, is that that is being done for the for the good of the parents. Yes, that's why it's being done. It's not the children wouldn't get the jokes, hopefully, <laughs> and I didn't. Uh, just got a couple of jokes last year, so yeah. it's, <laughs> it's a process. <laughs> it is a process. So I think let's do it. Let's do a quick episode. Get it out and uh, and 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 tell people to go to your Kickstarter. Oh, that would be great. Thank yeah. you so much for doing the show, Chris Mainz. Oh, thanks for having me on. And this, as as you know, with Kickstarter. It's every bit helps you guys, you know, everybody listening. We really, really use your help to get to the finish line. We're we're about halfway there, but we need we need the help. 
Right. And Long Ago and Far Away is the name of the graphic novel. And it looks, it's beautiful and it looks really funny. And it's at Chris J. Mancini on Twitter. And then Comedy Film Nerds, of course. Yes. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Jackie. Hey, you guys. So that was a dork addendum, but a very special dork addendum with uh, my friend Chris Mancini, who you should love as much as I do, because he's a really good guy. But I thought I'd take the opportunity to read 2015 emails. What the heck, right? So this one, February 4th, 2015 from Giovanna about the LARPing show that Andy did with um, with the Valkyrie, the Chris and whatever. It's uh, <laughs> if you Google LARP in the Dork Forest, I wish I could. I don't do a lot of prep. Here we go. Here's what I just finished listening to your LARP show. It was great. I appreciated Christian's tactful address of the SCA as LARP and pleased to discover that you know about the SCA. SCA stands for Society for Creative Anachronisms, and I did not know about it until I met one Andy Ashcraft who has friends who do SCA. As someone who has participated in the SCA since the late 80s, I think it would be fair to refer to it as a type of LARP, but I'm sure some would disagree. It's interesting how some people are so defensive about their dorkdom, like we have some corner on the market, lol. I know I'm nobody, but if you're ever interested in having someone dork out about SCA or sewing canvas tents, I'm happy to help. Take care, Liz. Um a.k.a. Maestra Giovanna de Batista de Firenze all in the SCA in Minnesota. Well, that, uh, I am, I am, Liz, I am Giovanna of the SCA, interested in all of that. When the, when I am next in Minnesota, feel free to email me, Jackie at JackieCation.com, because uh, that sounds fascinating. I wonder if I, hopefully I responded, and hopefully I responded yes. Next up, February 22nd. 2015. And I allow me to address what she said. Yeah, people get super defensive about their dorkdoms because they love it so much. I love and I I just think it's great when people like something that much. So there's no reason no one's attacking the FCA is what I'm saying. And I'm sure someone would go, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. And you're like, well, then don't hang out with those people. <laughs> because uh, hang out with the people who like the thing you like. That's what I always say. And I always say that over and over again. Here we go. Message to the website. Because you can just email me at Jackie at JackieCation.com from the website if you forget. And this is from Bob. Hey, Bob. You are so beautiful. What? Uh Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. You're pretty funny, too. Think of something creepy that I could say and pretend I emailed it to you. I hope you get a big show. You are the least. You are at least as funny as Ellen. Okay. Well, that was a weird email that I, from the look of it, didn't respond to, but chose to read aloud. I wonder if I'll keep it. Sure, what the hell. Don't email me something like that. That seems weird, you guys. I mean, I'm sure he's a perfectly nice man, (laughs) but what a weird email. Okay, how about this one from February February 22nd of 2015 from Douglas. I thought your bit on Conan was great. It made me proud to be a Jackie Cation fan. It also made me with... Uh, It also made me with that everyone in America was from Wisconsin. Yes, including the Native Americans as well. Ah, it must have been the Indian casino bit. Well, Doug, I'm glad you liked uh, my set on Conan. And see, this is a perfectly nice email. It is not uh, uncomfortable at all. I couldn't, I had trouble reading it a little bit. But other than that, thank you very much, Doug. That's uh, how you should send off an email. Here's another one from February the 23rd. 
Hi, Jackie. This is from Darcy. Uh, I just heard your piece on the Risk podcast where you talked about your weight and being comfortable with yourself as far as everyone is concerned. Just wanted to say your story really hit home with me. Uh, I've 35 and have endured my mother's endured my mother's nitpicking and rude remarks about my weight since puberty and heard the whole I'm just joking thing. She never understood that it hurt me and really I don't think ever cared. I identified with having tried everything and I'm forever insecure but I work on it constantly. Anyway, just wanted to say thanks for sharing. Well, exact I mean that is exactly the point and I think uh Darcy, you and I we're not alone. I think we are uh, more more the norm than people think. So this is from Beth, uh, also in February of 2015. I just wanted to reach out and thank you for your amazing Dork Forest podcast. Stace and I listen to episodes every time we make the long, long drive to visit family, and it always leads to the best discussions and homework. So long as you keep making those, we'll never run out of things to talk about. And he proposed last month at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. I just ran into these people. That's it. I just saw these guys again. And they have been married for a year because it is past February 25th, 2015. Um, While wearing your Horcrux t-shirt, we'll have many years to fill with conversation. So please keep up the dorking. I just ran into these guys. Two asides. Please come back to Seattle. I have. I've been back. to. I saw them in Seattle. I think it was last week. Hi, Beth. Hi, Stace. Anyway, uh, I was just at Kirkland, and they came to the show. And I have been back to Seattle many, many times, many times. So I'm psyched. And is there a Spooky Reading Girl vinyl sticker or bumper sticker available for purchase? Since that bit of yours, Stace has taken referring to me as such, which is accurate. And I feel I should wear that moniker with pride and help promote your comedy. Can't seem to find one in your store, though. Thanks again for sharing the hilarity, Beth. Well... As we all know, there are Spooky Reading Girl t- uh, stickers, and they are free. They are free. You get them whenever you donate. I mail off a couple, and you get them whenever you order anything. I put it in with the T-shirt or the CD or the DVD from JackieCation.com, and I hand them out at um, at shows, unless I'm out of them. But I, I think I just I just got a pile of my Spooky Reading Girl t- uh, stickers that are free. Dogs of the American Revolution stickers, which is awesome. Jenny Fine artwork with a, a basset hound and a mop cap. And, uh, and Dork Forest logo, logo stickers, which took me 10 years to make. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Beth. Okay, here's one from Chuck. Chuck, all 226, 2015. After listening to some of the addendums, I realized I procrastinated emailing you. I ventured to Bloomington, Indiana to see you and Maria last summer. Being single, I ended up sitting up front and enjoyed your comedy. I felt like I was sitting in your living room. The only thing missing was an iguana sitting in the corner. Enjoy your comedy and the podcast. Chuck. Well, thank you, Chuck, from uh, Clearly Indiana. For that perfectly normal, nice email saying that he likes the pod and he likes the stand-up and he likes all Maria Bamford stuff. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to be at Moon Tower with Maria, I think, this week and then doing a bunch of shows. I think I'm doing one with Andy Kindler and one with Dana Gould. It's going to be kind of a sweet, sweet week of me getting to see some comics that I truly love. Still in February of 2015, you guys. From David. And... He says, I have to chime in about My Fair Lady since you're talking about it on the podcast right now. The ending of the musical is awful, and I hate it because it comes from a bastardized source material. Oh, this is an awesome dork letter. I remember this one. 
In the original play by George Bernard Shaw that the musical is adapted from, Pygmalion, Eliza does become her own woman and she does marry Freddie. She tells Higgins to get lost and she doesn't come back to Wimple Street at the end. Shaw clears this up in an essay that he wrote in 1916 titled, cleverly enough, Sequel, What Happens Afterwards? Oh, that is funny. Nice work, Shaw. He wrote this mainly because the original director of the play, Sir Herbert Tree, thought Shaw's ending was a downer and, without Shaw's permission, tacked on a scene where Eliza leaves the house and Higgins comes to the window and throws her a bouquet of flowers as an olive branch. Lerner and Lowe turned that into the study scene that we know and hate. Shaw saw the play after its hundredth performance and not knowing about the change and hated Tree's ending so much that he wrote an essay where he basically lays out Eliza's life with Freddie her friendship with Higgins, her becoming an entrepreneur, the fact that Colonel Pickering sort of becomes her surrogate father. Tree defended his choice, saying, my ending makes money. You ought to be grateful. And Shaw replied, your ending is damnable. You ought to be shot. (laughs) It's an amazing feminist story, and the musical and the movie completely ruin it. See Pygmalion if you can. Sorry to get all historical. Love the podcast, which I'm now going to finish. Signed, David, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, No, no, do not apologize, because that is awesome. Uh, Okay, we're in March. Should I keep going? Probably. Yeah, I got another, I say six minutes. Jackie, this is from Annie. Jackie, I just discovered you on Spotify last night, and you are one of the most hilarious persons I have ever heard. Thank you for making me laugh so hard last night that I almost passed out. Wow, standing in line at Kinko's waiting for someone to snap... Oh, wait, standing in line at Kinko's waiting for someone to snap joke nearly killed me. You are so wonderful, and I hope that you have some L.A. shows coming up in the near future. I live in Santa Monica and would drive in L.A. traffic to catch a show. You know that is a serious commitment. Thank you, Annie. And weirdly enough, I occasionally have shows in Santa Monica. Uh, I believe tomorrow I'm in Malibu, which is not any closer than Hollywood for you. But thank you very much. And that Kinko's Iraq joke continues to amuse me, even though it's hard to do it anymore because it's been like six years. So next one, also from February 4th to 2015 from Kim. Hello, I'm getting tickets for your Salt Lake City show. Is there a day you get the door that would help you out more? Excited to see your magic, Kim. Well, first of all, I haven't obviously vetted any of these letters because that one is just a nice, hey, I'm coming to the show tomorrow. But I don't I don't necessarily, not at this level do I get the door. And um, But I'm glad that, that everybody, that when you get tickets, because it helps the venue stay open. So thank you so much for coming to see live comedy. Live comedy is the best. And um, it's always, you never know what's going to happen. So thank you very much, Kim. All right, Thomas. New listener to TV at TDF writes 3 4 2015. I'm a longtime fan of yours, but a new listener to your podcast. I have since burned through many episodes while at work. One of my favorites thus far is the Emily Gordon when you talked about breakfast. You said eating with your husband is sometimes frustrating because he actually stops eating when he is full and that you sometimes need someone to overeat with, which happens to be the basis of many of my friendships. I gladly invite you to overeat with me. I run a food blog called Fat Excuses. That's hilarious. Nice work, Thomas Price. If you want to come on an L.A. food excursion to eat and overeat, it would be awesome to have you along. I wonder... If um, we have ever organized this. No, that, no, we have not. I last emailed him, I think, February 28th, 2015. He emailed me back. Uh, looks like I might have emailed him back, but we never really organized it. Well, Thomas, 
Um, oh, I did. Here's the one afterwards. Because I think I responded. <laughs> uh, I don't want to overeat. <laughs> I think I was just kidding. And he said, no problem. And uh, there we go. But he did want to send me a chicken recipe. If you haven't tried out Thomas Keller's roasted chicken recipe, I'll, I'd Google it. The best roast chicken I've ever had. Well, I have not. And uh, I have to actually take a moment out of our very beautiful podcast moment to uh, turn on Google and just type that in, and then I'll check that later. So why don't you guys, uh, if Thomas Price suggests uh, Thomas Keller's roasted chicken recipe. Hey, Ross. Ross emails me pretty regular, and it's pretty great. Here's one from uh, March 11th, 2015. Oh, that's right. He often, he's a, he does great dork, uh, he does some great dork provenance uh, from Ross, uh, March of 2015. I'll admit the whole beginning of the Mike Olson episode went right over my head, and then you started talking about marching band and drum corps, and I heard the name Pioneers. My college buddy, Larry London, used to tell me ridiculous stories about drumming for them and the booze, drug, adrenaline-fueled hijinks they got up into, making me even more depressed that none of my efforts to become an instrumentalist ever worked out. I spent... The most time, from about 5 to 12, trying to learn drums, but could never afford a kit. Larry was an all-around character. He was also a chef at the Playboy Club in Lake Geneva in the last years before the Marcus Corp brought it, bought it. I did some Christmas shows with the three smart girls there in, in its later incarnation. Wow, haven't thought of Larry in years. Come to think of it, I've known a few amazing drummers, percussionists, including my junior high pal Jay Tiller, founder of Couch Flambeau and the Sacred Order. Wow. Uh, Seriously, the guy could play like a professional jazz sideman at 14 and was one of those annoying people who could just pick up any instrument and learn it. Well, thank you, Ross, for that anecdote. I love an anecdote, you know. And um, all right. And then also, we're still in March. Got something from Erica. Just listen to the Will Miles episode, number 272, in which you say you worked on the Cape for three summers. Where did you work? And then a fun fact, the Cape is how people refer to Cape Cod. A surefire way to let people you're not a local is to call it Cape Cod. You might be aware of this, but I also understand your need to clarify for folks. I grew up in a town near the Cape, and I have to say that because even though geographically it's part of the Upper Cape, the region around the canal, it's on the mainland side, so pretty much everyone since they dug the canal doesn't think my town is actually on the Cape, but it is. Technically, at least the village I lived in is. Whatever. Not only the southern end of the canal visible from the local beach, but the canal cruises out from the pier down the street from where I grew up. Uh, Suggestion. Consider including in the episode title that what is discussed so that when we find our device fails to keep current and then suddenly you have four new episodes, I can quickly see which one one it is about. Because let's be real. I listen to podcasts when I drive, so the less amount of time required to pick up an episode, pick an episode of a thing is preferable. And have you considered having baseball caps made just thinking about my kids' baseball season coming up? Could use a new hat. Thanks for all your work, Erica. Uh, thank you, Erica. First of all, hilarious that uh, that geographical stuff about the Cape is perfect. Uh, I did, I think because of you, start putting in the episode title what is discussed. Check um, if it started, if I started doing that right around March of 2015. Because I think I read this and got this as a suggestion. And then, uh, no, no, I have not thought about baseball caps. Because uh, I, I don't. I haven't. Anyway, so I'm still in March. We're getting kind of close to the time, I think. But here's a good one from Michael. Uh, I just wanted to reach out and say that after hearing you on Crab Feast, you have my vote as best guest ever. Thank you, Michael. 
Well, thank you, Michael. Crab Feast is an allthingscomedy.com podcast about storytelling. And it is a pretty good episode. I had uh, some good stories to tell, and those guys are hilarious. So, um, let's see. Also, 318 from Lisa. Dear Jackie, where in India are you playing? Maybe this isn't, I'd like to come see you, but your website doesn't list the venue. Please advise. Thank you. Uh, it doesn't look like I advised her either. That is very sad of me. It doesn't look like I responded to that. I don't think I knew where I was playing in India. Uh, Greg, also in uh, March of 2015. Gray, not, not Greg, a guy named Gray. Uh, this awkwardly po- pro- proposition for me, super comfortable for her monkey on my shoulder chest, makes it difficult to drop a more refined dorkdom in greetings. My apologies. What's going on? This is just a regular letter from the website. I responded to it. I haven't read it since March 19th, 2015. So here we go. I should have purchased your most recent and my first of your albums. I was at work today in the midst of much ridiculousness and trying to help people and stay sane. And in the and in the final days of supporting and covering for my wife to do something wicked awesome cool. She's heading back now and I find myself finally being good to me for a bit. And to you, not enough. With this first infusion of contributions for a lot of joy that has helped sustain me at various bits. Oh, he must have donated. And then sent me this this article, this uh, this message. I hope it isn't long before you find your way through Denver again. So this is from, um, I guess, Gray in Denver. I would love to see you in action. And I don't know why, but there's something about your take on life, your manner, your delivery, that is in the same class and badass as my mom. All right. Me and Gray's mom, we're doing it right. And if she were still orbiting the modest, massive ball of fire that we are privileged to still be on... Uh, where generally speaking, we aren't deconstructing others in an attempt to make it back the next morning, I would totally take her to see you in some way, special like she did to me with concerts and plays and museums and never enough amazements. Ah, that's neat. Thank you for your stellarness, and should you ever be in need of a geek-out commiseration over a mutually agreeable set of beverages and finger foods when you're between Minneapolis and Southern California, curvature of the planet and gravitational fields taken into some account, please holler. I think that means if I'm ever in Denver. Looking forward to donning more dorkdom in my style when budgets allow. Until then, know that uh, in a special waning two nights where I'm the headliner for wee Abigail who will not let go. Okay, now it's just poetry, you guys. Uh, anyway, be well, proper person. Sign Gray. I've done some editing there, just uh, just to sort of keep it tight. But thank you, Gray. Clearly, uh, thank you very much. I also got a very short one. That's the next one, 320-2015, from Anne. Jackie, you crack me up. Thank you. Well, you are welcome, Anne. And then 324, Mitchell. Hi, Jackie. Wanted to write you a quick note saying hi, and I love the show. I've not been listening long, but I've heard you on Keith and the Girl before, which I'm a massive fan of, and since the beginning, and since beginning to listen to your show, have quickly become a resident of the forest. Keep it up, Mitchell. Well, thank you, Mitchell. And then Jay. First time dark listener, Dana Gould. This is from Jay, and also from the end of March 2015. I'm listening to your Dana Gould episodes, starting with the Harry Potter discussion with Chris Hardwick and moving on to the Dana James Urbaniak live show. I listen to lots and lots of podcasts with funny people and smart people. I do it to feed my brains and avoid listening to too much music because I'm a musician. 
and I've achieved late 30s grumpy status after spending years touring in a van and being on an awful label and working many, many jobs without benefits, etc., etc. The crap about me is relevant because it speaks to my love of hearing comedians in their 30s to their 50s talking about the business and how many ups and downs I've had and how silly all the things we do can be when you really look at our motivations and efforts versus the actual payoff. All that said... I'm loving the dick inside of your show, and specifically you person, your personality as a host and abilities as a storyteller. You have put multiple smiles on this face of mine today, and I'm very grateful. I try out other podcasts here and there, but it just makes me feel like I'm being buried in an avalanche of snark. So I stick to Dana Gould, Mark Marin, Bill Burr, Nerdist, and some old-time radio stuff. But now I have to go through all your years of episodes and pick out some more guests that I admire, like Maria Bamford, and get my ranger boots all muddied up. Thank you, and thank you, thank you. I'm glad I found your show, Jay. That's cool. Thank you, Jay. That's uh, that's perfect. How many more March do I have left? I have a lot of... No, no, just three more. Let's do it. Andrew. Hi, Jackie. I'm not sure if you're mistaking me for someone else or if there's an issue with your email account. I just felt... Man, this may not even be... This may not even be a thing. All right. Uh, I'm emailing you. All right. I don't know. Those are not, uh, it's weird. I must have mis-emailed him because on a side note, I'm working through the archives of the door. So I mis-emailed him and then he started working through the dork forest. Well, hello, Andrew. Um, cause I must have, uh, emailed you instead of someone who wanted information about hotels and air for Idaho, Utah, California, and California. Interesting. He's been working his way through the Dork Forest archives, though, and he just listened to the Ngayo Bilam. Great episode. Nice change-up, having the guest get up and leave you in the lurch instead of me getting up to leave the phone. I don't care what others say. I love when that happens. Hey, I just figured out, you guys, I can actually unplug the phone during the recording of the episodes. Yeah, yeah, six years. Took that long to figure that one I love when that happens, this guy says, though. I find it super amusing, and the way the guests react is always great entertainment. And Guy also described wrestling near the end of his episode as opera for the poor. I never thought of it that way. I always explained it as soap operas for guys. Both work. Anyway, take care, blah blah and rhubarb. In other words, I never know how to end an email. Andrew. That's cool. And then he emailed me again to ask me, also in March, to ask me my thoughts on uh, Spielberg getting tapped to play do Ready Player One. But we'll never know. Well, we won't know until it's done. It's going to come out, though. Oh, Jay. Jay, uh, Jonathan. Jonathan B. JB has uh, emailed me. Here is the last of March of 2015. Just wanted to say hi and thanks for being a smart, strong, funny woman. I kind of wish I didn't feel the need to add the woman part. Me too. But there are so many stupid jerks who don't appreciate women. Really enjoy your posts. I try to add some humor or insight when I say something. Keep having fun, bringing the funny to more people, and reminding me of the good things about growing up in the Midwest. Cheers then, Jonathan. Well, you are welcome. There you go. Let's do April next time. This has been a dork addendum. Thanks so much for tuning in, you guys. And... Don't forget the websites, JackieCasia.com, DorkForest.com, iTunes, AllThingsComedy.com, all the things. Thanks a lot. Take care out there.